0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. I'm really excited for today's episode. We have Steve Benson. He's uh, the CEO of uh, Badger Maps, uh, which, also, which helps uh, field sales agents You know, in their mapping and getting the most effective route that they can. So he works a lot with a lot of different salespeople, different types of salespeople. So we're going to talk today about leadership and how to be a better leader in these more difficult times. So really excited. Uh, Steve has a lot to offer and a lot of knowledge. So let's get to today's episode. Steve, thanks for joining us. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me. Really uh, looking forward to this. So uh, let's just kind of jump into it and and understand a little bit about who you are, what your background is.
1: Sure. So uh, I guess I, I've been in in sales and specifically field sales throughout my entire career uh, in technology. So I was uh, I was at IBM when I started out, and I was at uh, a software company called Autonomy that got bought by HP. And then I went to Google for uh, about four years, and then I started Badger, Badger Maps. About uh, what was that? I guess about eight years ago now, eight and a half years. So, um, so I guess I'm a, I, I I founded it to help field salespeople with their routes and their maps, and uh, and I've been, uh, I guess you know, for, from the, the perspective of this topic, I've been in sales and specifically software sales,
0: and uh, my whole career. What what do you think is the main difference between you know working at Google working at HP and and being an early stage startup
1: um, well you know IBM uh, IBM was a really, really big company when I was there so that was that was actually more different <laughs> than working at Google or uh, autonomy, which is like a, a, a you know it was a public company but a smaller one um, and then Google when I joined I, and I was actually in their software division so e- even though Google's a huge company now when I was there. You know, I guess I joined in like two thousand eight, and and so it was a a relatively small company then too, particularly the the enterprise software team. So it was more like being a part of a two hundred and fifty company, two hundred and fifty person company that had limitless resources or effectively limitless compared. So it's very different than uh, than what what I experienced. at uh, at badger Maps, starting the company I mean I was employee number zero I guess I'd say and uh, <laughs> there, there's definitely you know get selling something that doesn't exist yet um, and and getting those early customers engaged and purchasing is, is a real challenge it's a lot let's just say it's a lot easier to uh, to sell stuff when you're at Google or IBM and have the those brands behind you yeah definitely but
0: how big of is your company now
1: we have uh, seventy employees. Um, fifty wow. kind of you know full time healthcare and everything, and then uh, you know about well, I guess a lot of your a lot of your listeners are overseas. So in America, we have to buy their hair, their healthcare. <laughs> Crazy, right? <Yeah. laughs> but but uh, <laughs> fifty like healthcare and everything, but uh, but then twenty more like part time and uh, interns and uh, freelancers, that sort of thing. Maybe 20, 30 of those.
0: That's interesting. So you have a a big, uh, big portion of your team is kind of outsourced, I guess you could call it freelancer, not not full time employee. Yeah. And that's pretty common in America. Yeah. All right. And uh, and so let's talk about, like, how how are you managing your team before and versus now? Like, what's the difference now with Corona and a bit of a crisis going on in the world, if, if nobody's noticed?
1: Yeah. I think we've all noticed at this point, right? I think, uh, (laughs) you know, the, the, the the team is now working remotely. We were all in offices, so we were kind of, but we were, we were well set up to work remotely because we already had four offices. So people were accustomed to working with people that weren't in the same place with them and kind of these cross-functional teams and cross geography teams. So it was less of a, less of a leap for us than for a lot of people who, Um, you know, maybe we're all in one office and now they're learning to collaborate across, uh, time zones and across being in different places for the first time. So we, we haven't noticed a a very, we haven't noticed a huge, um, decline in productivity. It's been, uh, you know, things have been just fine for us really in that respect, but we have lost customers, um, about 25% of our customers have quit because, um, you know, we feel, we service field salespeople. That's who we help. Um, that's who the software is for. And obviously, a lot of field sales, field sales or outside sales means you meet with people face to face, and uh, your, your customers and your prospects. So a lot of those people are currently not able to w- meet with their customers or prospects. If you sell beer to bars, for example, obviously you're not an essential employee, and so bars are all closed still in America. I know it's it's not the not the case everywhere necessarily, but we're, we're, it's still closed here. So you, you can't sell beer to bars because bars aren't open. But other, other of our customers, if they sell, say, medical devices, they're still able to go into the office or they're, they're still able to meet with their customers face to face. And, you know, they're, they're just selling it at, a, selling at a, a, a distance of 10 feet, I guess, which is different than over the phone.
0: So, so if people are, you know, the 25 percent that are leaving... Some of them are non-essential, like you said, like selling beer to bars. but what about the ones that are still essential and you still need to sell do you do you see a bigger transition into going digital and, and using zoom?
1: Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a transition into that. Uh, you know, I think people are are making do, and they're it's it's really challenging if you're if you're used to uh, if you're used to selling with field sales it's 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 a there is a, uh, a big difference to, to having no face-to-face visits, right? Like being face-to-face there, there are certain products that you just kind of have to sell face-to-face. It doesn't make sense to sell them over the phone or over zoom. It doesn't make sense to sell them retail. You wouldn't sell them over the web. You kind of have to demo them in person or the relationships important, or it just takes too long to get done. Um, it's too complex a sale. There's a lot of challenges to actually getting things done. Um, in a distanced way for for a bunch of industries, and so it, it's just a tough time for those industries. I think, I think in general they've made the switch to selling over Zoom um, or over the phone, but it's definitely been a big challenge because we're you know we're seeing a lot of sales cycles expand. So something that would take three months to sell now takes eight months to sell. We hope you know, and so I think that's that's kind of a across the board with our customers that's who have done that that's that's kind of the feedback i'm getting and uh you know i think they're just you know trying to gut it out and get through things and, and uh make revenue where they can until until things pick back up here and, and we're able to um safely get back together in the future
0: okay it's interesting that you said like steel cycles are taking longer you're, you're finding
1: well, at, I guess not at our company, but, um, cause we, we actually don't sell with a field sales team. We sell, you know, a, a fairly inexpensive piece of software. So that's like everybody else. We sell that with an inside sales team predominantly, okay. but, um, for a lot of products, the only way to sell, like if you're selling, you know, a, a medical device to doctors, you're going to be doing that face to face. And that's, and that's for the most part is still happening face to face, but, yeah. um, you know, less essential industries are just kind of shut down right now.
0: Okay. So I want to touch base real quick on the, uh, the 25% uh, churn that you've had. And I wanted to know it, was there a potentially more that you guys were able to stop by working with your clients? Was there, how did that process go?
1: Yeah, we, we definitely, uh, we were working with customers and trying to, you know, get them through the tough times. Um, yeah, you know, in general, you know, like offering them two months free or something, you know, to get them through a hard time, um, or letting, you know, we're, we let them all pause it instead of actually canceling if they wanted to, um, so, you know, free of charge, if you just want to stop using this stuff, you can just press the pause button on it. Um, but you know, in, in general people were either Shut down, or they were fine. They were they were able to go out and meet with customers pretty, and, and considered essential pretty quickly, and so most companies kind of went one way or the other relatively early on.
0: Okay, and so how are you dealing with the 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 messaging aspect during this time uh, with your prospects?
1: Well, I think um, you know certain elements of messaging need to need to change. Um, in, in these times, I think they're, you know, in a down economy, you want to change your messaging, and this is messaging right at the top of the web page to messaging that your sales reps are are using, out, you know, with customers over the phone or in the field or whatever. You you need to change your messaging from something like "We'll help you do better," which is really what you see in a lot of a lot of companies messaging, and and this was fine messaging in good economic times. But in a bad economic time, I think y- you might do a little better, and, and you, if you changed your messaging to "we will help you do more with less," so, and then once you say that, then you go on to explain how how much more you'll help them do, and, and that could be in terms of dollars, could be in terms of um, you know, so we'll, we'll help you spend less money, we'll help you lose less, use less manpower. Help you use less resources, but and but will help you do more with less. So, kind of an efficiency message. Um, we went through this at Badger as well. Um, what we did was we changed our our the, the the bulk of our messaging and what our reps were saying from, um, you know, we our messaging has always been we will help you sell twenty percent more with your field sales team, and now the message is with Badger Maps, your outside sales team. Uh, can generate the same revenue, even though your team is twenty percent smaller, and you know the there's a huge difference between these two things. Even even though you're you're, you're basically saying the same thing, one of these messages is going to resonate way more with your customers in a down economy. So you you may want to look at the top of your website and 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 see if you can change from that kind of good economy messaging to to bad economy messaging.
0: I like it. It's it's basically. Looking at what what the prospect is thinking about most. During a good economy, that's always like, okay, let's make more sales, let's make more sales. During the down economy, it's how do we save money? How do we we close the gap? Absolutely. And and I like how you said it. Like, okay, we could help you make twenty percent more sales, or now it's hey, we could help we could help you maintain the same and cut your cost by twenty percent. Exactly. So it, it's it's terrific. Okay, well. Um, and so, when you're putting that on the messaging for what's the difference between messaging for the website versus messaging for sales? When you're talking about this,
1: well, from, from that perspective, I think uh, you, you know the on the on front and center on the website, you know, and front and center on how the messaging is when your reps are you know giving a presentation, et cetera. It's it's going to be very similar, um, but I guess the reps are going to more explain and be able to tailor how you're going to help them do more with less how are they going to save resources where are they going to save resources how are they going to help you spend less how, how is each person that you have doing the thing that you have them doing going to do more um i think you know the the rep can can really tailor the the, the knowledge and tailor the the messaging whereas on the website, it's it's more genericized. It's lighter. It's it's smaller. It's quicker to ingest. You want it to be ingestible very quickly. Um, I think in both cases as well, you want to make ROI analysis and uh, and other financial analysis very readily available. You want your reps bringing it up. You want the information available to um, uh, available to the customer right on the website, like giving them the tools giving them a spreadsheet to download and kind of put in their assumptions and be able to cleanly calculate how much, how, where they're exactly going to save money in terms of dollars, in terms of resources and where exactly they're going to get more out of that in terms of dollars and in terms of resources So really helping them calculate that because so many from the top down budgets have been often uh, are being under a lot of scrutiny. The purse strings are closed, you know, and so almost any major purchase or anything, any, any sizable purchase is going to have to be floated up the financial chain by your sponsors. So if you sell to, you know, the VP of marketing or something that VP of marketing is probably going to have to get, get something rubber stamped and by, by the, uh, by the CFO and some in and, and something in a good economy, they just would have been allowed to do without, uh, without, you know, asking for it. Now they're going to have to really prove out, Hey, this is valuable. This is the payback period this is why we want to spend this money now, even though we're, uh, we're, we're not as, even though we have all this uncertainty and maybe we don't have access to the funds that we wish we had access to.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I really like how, how you're talking about, you know, having the spreadsheets around so that you could find the ROI kind of calculator uh, with your prospects. I think that's a really important thing to that, that you, if you can and you're able to do, Uh, Sometimes it gets really complicated and you really need to dive down with more information. Uh, But that's something that's terrific, a terrific tool that you could use uh, for sales. As we're talking about like helping changing our messaging to reduce costs for, for the prospects, what about reducing costs internally?
1: Sure. I mean um, you mean like how ways uh, CEOs or business leaders can, can cut back on costs. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you kind of, the first thing you want to do is look at your, look at your team and see if, if figure out exactly, look at your, 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 your P first and see exactly what your burn rate is and really get a deep understanding on that and kind of project what if sales are down? What if, uh, what happens if, if, uh, you know, we have these, what, what are expenses really going to look like and kind of build, a forward-looking PL basically, where you're able to predict. Okay, well, here's the cash flows that are going to be coming in and out um, during, you know, during the next year, and that's going to have, have that flow down to the ba- to the the, uh, the bank account at the bottom and see exactly how long you have until you run run out of money. And don't just use, you know, percentages that say, oh, I'm going to grow, you know, four percent a month every month. Uh, you know, really dive in deep on, into where where exactly is growth going to come from or, or what if I, what if, how sensitive am I to having less growth? Where could I cut costs, go through each line item and, and dive get, you know, with a fine tooth comb, you, you have to, you have to be able to predict how long, um, how long do I have in terms of runway? Because if you don't have long enough and we, we, we you know, especially as you know, startup startup, uh, companies may not have access to, to debt the way bigger companies do, um, it's it may be a tough time to get equity investments, and so we really have to um, kind of envision the path to break even. And if we're not at break even and there isn't doesn't seem to be a path to getting there, we have to evaluate carefully what expenses we can remove from the from the p and l to to uh, to make sure that we're able to keep things floating for long enough because you you need the you know, what are the, figure out what are the essential expenses and make sure you can keep those going for as long as possible and, and cut the things that are not expense, uh, you know, a, essential.
0: Can you give us some examples of non-essential? Um, well, like your office space, maybe
1: that would be non-essential, but it, it you know, it could be um,
0: you know, for, for the sales team specifically, like how, how can we cut costs on the sales team?
1: Well, I mean, the sales team, I mean, there's probably not a lot of travel expenses going on already at this point. It's the 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 big thing and this is really across the board. Major the major expenses that startups tend to have is is headcount. So, you know, you you want to look very carefully at your headcount and see are there any weak links in the team? Are there are there people that were we were probably going to were lower performers who were probably going to cut eventually anyway. It's better to let them go earlier rather than later. Um yeah. You know, on the sales team maybe it's a newer reps that haven't scaled up all the way or maybe aren't scaling the way you'd like them to um and you know remember the, another thing to think about is it's a different world right now than it was eight months ago right it was it's been very challenging to hire talented um sales reps for example and but really talented people in a lot of roles have been extremely difficult over the last five years um depending on where you are in the world and it's uh, so it's definitely been kind of a candidate's market, but it's it's now more of a, a buyer's market, I would say. Meaning, you know, with the economy where it's at, uh, and and you know, with very high unemployment, you can. There's lots of great people out there. If you're a sales leader, for example, lots of great sales reps who are furloughed, who are unemployed, and who would love to love the opportunity to work for your company. So it's a great time to. Level up your team. It's a great time if you do have resources to add to your team and bring in some really fantastic people. Uh, but that's if you have to cut costs and your your runway is not long enough. Then um, unnecessary headcount is probably a one of the first places you should look after getting rid of the obvious, you know, the obvious expenses that uh, that you don't need.
0: So for the, for the leadership side, then. You know cut it, obviously you always want to kind of cut weak links uh, after you've given them the opportunity and you really worked with them. Uh, but now more than ever, for the, for the sales leaders, uh, whether it's the owner or, or a VP sales or sales manager, how <laughs> it's going to be really challenging right now for them because there's more pressure on everybody to do things quicker. To get a new sales rep up to speed quicker, to get a failing sales rep up back up to speed quicker, um, have you experienced this?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's a, a tremendous amount of pressure right now. People, you know, people are demanding um, results, and they're demanding them quickly, quicker. You know, there's just less there's less fat on the bone right now, right? I think a lot of people's revenues dropped. I think a lot of people are experiencing pressure on their margins, pressure on their on what they're able to charge from from their customers. Um, I think prospects are buying more slowly, if at all, and I think that pressure flows right through the whole team. And so you you very well, you know, as a as a VP of sales or a sales sales leader, maybe asked to make to trim the fat and then they come back, they may came, they, they may be asked that in April. And then you they came back in June and were like, um, yeah, we need to do that again. We need more, um, because this is, you know, revenue's dropped and we're just, we're, we need to ex- extend the runway. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, in, in those cases, there's, there's kind of a couple of ways to look at it. Right. Like you know, if you if you have to fire people that you don't want to fire, and you you know you so let's assume you already trimmed the fat, and now you're down to you know people that you really wanted to keep on the team. You know, muscle. I mean, first of all, it's important to explain to the make sure the CFO has on has on their top of their mind that um, that revenue comes from sales activity, right? And if you get rid of salespeople, revenue will fall. Um, and you actually, if, if a rep is bringing in two hundred thousand dollars in 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 revenue more than you'd be able to bring in if that rep wasn't there, and that rep costs a hundred thousand dollars a year, you really want to keep that rep, right? Um, but let's just say that that uh, that the CFO understands that, and and now it's time, and and they've said, yeah, you've got to you got to lower your team another X percent, twenty percent, whatever. You know, I think the the classic business school wisdom is. If you're going to do layoffs, you want to do it all at once because doing several rounds of layoffs um, is uh, is is really very it, it's very stressful to to a company, right? Because people people start thinking, well, um, you know, I'm I'm next. I, it keeps people from focusing. It keeps people from you know uh, that people spend time looking for for other employment options, etc. So that's the classic wisdom is to say okay to do it all at once and be like okay we're done now here's the here's the financials we're going to be we're in the black we're fine we we're we're good to go no there's not going to be another cut i think you know it's a little trickier with the that that that, that i guess i would say that traditional wisdom should be perhaps questioned in times of covid because you know things could just pop right back to normal 6 months from now effectively so you know, you you may want to be a little more, a little finer with, and not go as big the first time. It might, you know, a series of smaller cuts might, maybe it would make more sense because you actually don't know where we're going to, we don't know where we're going to be in November. You know, it could be looking a lot better depending on your industry, right? Um, so if you, if you overcut, then you'd really regret it if you were cutting great people that you wanted to keep, right? So I think because times are so uncertain, you might want to take a finer a finer uh a finer knife as opposed to a cleaver you know and even though the cleavers yeah. kind of classically uh recommended but I think uh the the other option that I think is maybe even more attractive in times like this because jobs are really hard to come by and um I think that the other option that, that is is just to reduce salary so if you if you had to reduce and, and I would not say this in a good if your business if you had a just a, tr- a startup that was in trouble in a good economy i would not say do this you know if you if you were if your choices were i'm going to reduce everyone's salary by 20% or i'm going to fire 20% of the team and financially that's going to get me to the same place i would in a good time i would definitely say don't lower everyone's salary by 20% because you're going to lose all your good people to other companies but in a situation where it's a really bad economy and and you know belts everywhere are tight and there's not a lot of jobs you can kind of think about about uh, that second option where you lower everyone's salary by by twenty um, okay. percent. That's uh, you know I think you're when you do this with across when you do this especially with sales reps I would focus on the on their base not their bonus because if you lower the bonus that kind of takes away their incentive to sell but if it's like a someone on the marketing team or something you know it's it, they're they're Their 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 bonus is obviously a much smaller percentage of their total comp, so you can just kind of do it across the board over there. But but if you, I think it's a lot. If you wanted to do a twenty percent cutting across the board of salaries, then I would I would do it twenty. I would do just twenty percent for a marketing person or an engineer, but for a salesperson, I would do a bigger cut but just to their base and leave their so maybe do a 40% cut to their base but their bonus stays intact and so their overall salary ends up going down by 20% but the it was focused on the on the base salary um yeah. and the nice thing about this is the whole team keeps their health insurance you know it, like i mentioned in america we lose that if we're not employed um, you know the the whole the every, everyone keeps their job, everyone's able to make rent, everyone, you know, keeps their health insurance. It's, it's yes. if you one way to make this feel fairer as well is you could give people Wednesdays off or Fridays off or you know kind of stagger the days off across the week. So you keep coverage depending on how you'd want to do it. But you could um you could give you know there may there may be less work to do right now too. And so you you may be able to say, hey we're lowering everybody's salaries by 20%. But we're also going to have you work twenty percent less, so uh, it's it's kind of fair and and and, you, and be transparent. I think transparency and honesty is really important, right? Um, in in these times, and in and, and it's 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 important to be clear with people, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, and to be and, and to show them, hey, here's here's the runway, right? If we don't do this, we're going to run out of money, and then we're all in trouble.
0: I I couldn't agree. I think it's uh, really important, um, but. It sounds like everything's uh, very negative. I, I'm seeing a lot of mo- most companies are that I'm working with are actually doing quite well in this time. Uh, you know, like initially it was a, a little bit of a shock uh, the first couple months, but then things are starting to pick up and, and teams are starting to sell again and being more active. Mm hmm. Uh, I, think, so, I think that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, I, they're more active. I mean, the GDP of America is
1: down what eleven percent. I mean, so things are still bad, but they they are getting better. I think they're they're not dropping anymore. I think so things are kind of creeping back now, and the stock market's obviously still high. That hasn't been affected as much. Yeah, but um, across, I think, and if you work with startups a lot, I think a lot of in general, you know, technology hasn't been hit the same way as you know, a beer company selling beer to bars has been hit in this economy, yeah. right? So I think yeah. that this has been a, the, the, the hit that the economy has taken has been focused in certain areas and, in the, and, and certainly it's affected those of us in tech less than, less than a lot of people. Absolutely.
0: All right, cool. Steve, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us. How can people reach out to you or learn more about Badger Maps?
1: Well, I mean, uh, the the best place to learn about badger maps and and what we do for field salespeople is our website badgermapping.com um you know best way to learn about to hear from me um i guess uh the best place is to reach out to me is probably linkedin um just look up steve benson badger maps um there's a lot of steve benson's out there unfortunately (laughs) Uh, i'm not the first one that comes up because that's like a mass murderer but (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm a different guy
0: (laughs) but uh that's my other personality
1: yeah yeah, only, only on tuesdays um but, uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, the website LinkedIn, um, you know, my podcast is a great way to he- to hear about the things I talk about. I, I have a podcast called outside sales talk specifically for outside salespeople. And I, I bring sales thought leaders on there, um, to, uh, to kind of give people their two cents through the perspective of, of, uh, we're, we're making this for, for outside salespeople. So that's, it's, that's a fun, a fun thing to listen to as well.
0: Excellent. Steve, thanks so much for, uh, for being here with us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to startup sales with Adam Springer, subscribe to the podcast. So you never miss an episode, contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at Adam at startup sales.io.